I want to have a conversation here that I think is going to be interesting. When we're talking about what's going on in Ukraine right now, we know to this point already uh, about 2 million refugees have been created. The anticipation it is there will be millions more. So um, that's only in three weeks. Um, what happens? The UN saying we're predicting uh, the worst refugee crisis since World War II. We know our government has vowed to welcome as many of these refugees as possible. It's going to be a big influx. It's going to impact immigration around the world, including here in our country. So what does it look like? We're going to find out. We're going to chat now with Christina Clark Kazak, who is an associate professor at the University of Ottawa School of Public and International Affairs. Uh, Christina, thanks so much for your time today. I appreciate you joining us. Yes, thanks for having me. So in a crisis like this, uh, the first question is, you know, is there, a, is there, well, there is, there's a moral obligation. And we're seeing a lot of countries answer that moral obligation and say, yes, we'll do what we can to, you know, at least provide temporary safe haven for some of these people. But is there more than that? Is there a legal obligation? Is there, is there any sort of treaties or anything like that? Or is this just countries doing what, what's right? So, as you mentioned, there is a moral obligation, but there is also a legal obligation under international law. So, every human being has the right to claim asylum under multiple UN conventions, including the UN Convention on Refugees. And so, uh, countries are obligated to allow them to access their territories and also then to make a refugee claim. Um, where do we expect most of the refugees from Ukraine to end up? I mean, it, and it, it will happen in stages, right? I mean, the final destination will invariably be different than where they end up, you know, now or next week or next month, right? Exactly. So this is an unfolding situation, and it's it's moving very quickly, and, it, you know, every day we're getting new information. Um, to date, not many have arrived yet. And just to clarify also that they're coming here under a temporary visa program. So they're not coming in as refugees, unlike, for example, Syrians who were resettled here as refugees. And so I think that's an important distinction because they're coming here with temporary visas and an open work permit. Mm -hmm. So they're going to likely then go to where the jobs are, but also where they have community. So as you know, there's a large Ukrainian-Canadian community across Canada, um, a lot in the prairies, um, and so we'll probably we'll see people arriving where they have family or community connections, and then from there it will depend on where they can get work. What is the situation in Canada right now? I know we've heard a lot of talk from government officials removing barriers and, and expediting the process. What is the process that's been put in place so far? So currently the process is an expediting of processing of the claims that are currently in the system. So even before the Russian invasion, there were people who were applying to come to Canada through family sponsorship, through a whole host of different immigration channels. So those uh, uh, um, applications are now being expedited through a web process, but also through a help phone. Um, The government has also announced that they will be soon opening up the temporary visa program, which I just mentioned, and so that has no cap. So anyone who would like to come who can apply for a visa and who gets approved will be able to come, but that is not yet open. And there's also a family reunification route. So currently um, that family reunification route is only open to people who are spouses or partners of a Canadian citizen or their children, their dependent children. Uh, The government has hinted that that might open up to other family members, but again, we don't have an announcement yet. Um, What's the expectation with what we're seeing? Is there anything else that we can compare to to try and get some understanding of what this will look like? I mean, I know Syria was big and there there was a huge repatriation effort among communities in Canada, but is there anything that comes close to what we're expecting to see in our country as a result of this? 
I think that we can look to the Syrian um, example um, as a potential um, uh, marker. I think the difference here again is that uh, under Syrian, the Syrian program, it was a resettlement program where you had a government-assisted refugee stream as well as a private sponsorship scheme. And so that was very managed and there was a cap. There was a target that was placed and then um, individuals were uh, brought under that scheme. In this case, it's an open question. Um, So people are coming temporarily. Um, The other thing to just bear in mind is that when refugees arrive in Canada through um, a scheme like private sponsorship, they actually arrive as permanent residents. Um, But under this scheme, they're going to be temporary. So that might actually deter some people from wanting to come because it's not a long-term permanent um, protection solution. It's a temporary solution. Um, So I think what we will be seeing are people who have ties to Canada um, and who have maybe, for example, a job offer. But it's very difficult to predict the scale. And this is why, um, you know, immigrant and refugee groups are asking the government to try to give them a better sense of numbers and the the timing so that they can adequately prepare um, the settlement services that um, these individuals are going to need once they arrive in Canada. What's a situation like this? I mean, what's the anticipated impact on the country, you know, in terms of many different ways? We often hear a lot of people say, oh, it's going to cost us so much money, it's going to cost us so much money. Is that a reality? You know, what is the impact on the country that's welcoming, you know, an influx of refugees like this? So um, I think there has to be a distinction made between countries who are the first point of arrival, so countries like Poland, for example, and Canada. So we are a tertiary um, place where people are coming after they've already um, been displaced once. So I think it allows us more time to plan and more time to manage. That's why we still have a visa in in place, because people will have to actually apply to come here. So I think that we need to make that distinction. However, it is true that at the beginning there is an investment, a financial investment that needs to be made by Canada. In fact, the Prime Minister has already announced some additional funding, which is good news because we don't want processing of these visas to take away from the uh, people who are already in the system from other countries, right? So that's a good thing. Um, There will be an initial investment both in terms of the human labor that's required to process visas and welcome people and provide services like language training, um, education, employment, housing, etc. However, Canada is, um, you know, it does need labor. It does need individuals to come. Um, Even before uh, this recent announcement, Canada had um, introduced its highest immigration levels in a couple of years um, in terms of targets of people that we wanted to come to immigrate. And so if people are able to integrate and are able to find jobs and pay taxes and become members of the community, Canada is enriched Mm -hmm. both financially but also culturally and socially by people who come here. Yeah, makes perfect sense. you raise a good question there. I wanted to ask you before I let you go. So uh, with the, the plans that we're making to, to, to welcome refugees from Ukraine, you're saying that will be over and above our regular immigration process? Like they won't supersede other people that are in line or, you know, in, you know, in transit or part of the system of getting people in, integrated into Canada. It's not going to mean that uh, immigrants from other countries are going to be pushed back and told to wait till next year because we've got to deal with this. It's going to be over and above? That is what we are advocating for. I mean, the government has promised um, that that is what's going to happen. Minister Fraser, the Minister of Immigration, has said that the, their, his department is, is capable of multitasking, as he puts it. So he's saying that 
because of these additional resources, the people who are already in the system and applying from elsewhere, like Afghanistan, for example, yeah. um, will still be uh, processed in a timely manner. That remains to be seen, and I think it depends actually on the scale um, of applications we have coming from Ukraine. And at this point, it's impossible to predict how much that's going to happen. In terms of the social services, again, at this point, the government has not actually announced any services specific to Ukrainians arriving, because it's not a private sponsorship or a refugee resettlement context. It's a temporary visa situation. And so, again, I think that people who provide services to immigrants and newcomers will find that they're going to have um, an extended need um, and that the government will have to find resources to respond to that need in terms of, for example, language training and, you know, employment um, connections and those kinds of things. So I, I think we're still in the early stages, and I think the government um, is wary of announcing before they have a sense of the scale yeah. and the timeline. Makes perfect sense, right? Get your ducks in a row. Um, Christina, thanks so much for your time today. I really appreciate you joining us. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. You bet. That is Christina Clark-Kazak, an associate professor at the University of Ottawa School of Public and International Affairs. Great insight. Good to know. I mean, we know that our our country has said, yes, we're, we're going to welcome as many of these people as we possibly can. We want to be there to support the people of Ukraine, uh, at least with that temporary safe haven designation. And then we can work forwards um, to a more permanent situation for those who want that. So uh, we're doing what we can. 